This is Agents Influence Podcast. Press releases are not market research, so see where the money is going. Grind out on the phone like myself, right? Get on the phone with the heads of AI, these companies, or people running compliance or whatever. Get enough proxies of where the dollars are going, what the priorities are. Talk to enough of the vendors as to who the customers are and map all that stuff, figure out who's raising money. And it's just like, wow, this is so different than what people are saying. It's astronomically different. Most of this is about risk. It is about reducing risk. Point blank here. Where's the AI investments going in insurance? Well, if you have two choices, pick the one that's most correlative to risk reduction, and that's where the money's going. End of story. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 loyal listeners. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast with Jason Cass. Who's that? Me. Uh, today I am on podcast with uh, a friend. I, I We've never even met, but to me, I uh, I call, I reached out, I said, Daniel, it's time that we do another one. And he instantly was like, let's do it. And so um, it's amazing um, how the new communication mediums today represent friendships differently than they did in the past. But we've got Daniel Fagella. And if you guys remember, you may be like, who is this, Cash? You got to go back to the other podcasts and listen to him because he's like a straight, which is a good thing, AI geek. Okay. I mean, this dude knows about this stuff. He even says on his uh, LinkedIn, helping you make a stronger business case for AI. Best practices, use cases, cutting edge insights for measurable AI ROI. Now, all you loyal listeners right now are like, dude, this is right up Cass's alley. Yeah, because we're getting ready to go. Daniel Fagella, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I, uh, I I love a little juice and energy with insurance. You know, I feel like people <laughs> think this topic is boring, but I feel like we're going to be anything but right now. No, no, no. Never with boring. I love this thing too much. It's given me the opportunities that I never thought I would have. So, Daniel, I'm not going to go on to the regular questions that I start out with because, you know what, if they want to find out that stuff, they can go back. Yeah, maybe and the old them. episode there. That's right. That's right. It helps with the downloads. No, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, I do want to remind our listeners, you need to check out Mastermind real quick. One second, Daniel. They need to check out Mastermind. That's really, really important. Um, we've got 97 members in there that are paying. We got around 168 in the Facebook group because that's because Mastermind is just not an agent membership. It's an agency membership. So this includes everybody in your agency. Um, so we've got staff, senior under our senior account managers, agents, agency owners um, in there. You can allow them or not allow them. That's up to you. Why right now? Well, first of all, you always should be. There's not one person that gets in mastermind. They're like, oh my gosh, why did I not do this earlier? You don't have to be a brainiac, okay? We've got agencies in there that have just started, literally. They've been six months, a year, and they're going to kick your butt because they're learning from some of the best, right? But here's the reason why. Right now, you can't go to conferences, you can't go to conventions. You can't meet with people. So why don't you come to our mastermind where we meet? 30 to 50 of us on the second and on the fourth Thursday of every month at 10 Central Standard Time. That's just one of the many things we do. That's enough about it. Check it out. If you go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com, click on Mastermind in the top right, you'll get to see pictures of everybody that's in there and exactly what it outlines. Daniel Fagello, what's up, dude? Oh, man, I kind of want to join that thing now. 
Well, you should. But anyways, no, I mean, it's- uh, If only I sold insurance and not market research to uh, big enterprise companies, yeah. Yeah, you'd be bored quick probably in there, but you never know. You'd probably learn. So, um, dude, I'm interested to hear what you have been doing. Tell me about your last 12 to 18 months, man. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what. um, We've really started to double down on um, consistently pulsing our main industry. So as you and I chatted last time, banking and insurance are the big spaces for us. So we've now got a map, which we're calling the AI opportunity landscape the last two years or so. This has been our core offering of really looking at the totality of AI vendors in that space and also the totality of known AI investments and initiatives at the global top 20 insurance companies and the global top 20 banks. So real time, what the heck are the big guys doing? What the heck are the little guys doing? And where's the return on investment starting to peak in these different sectors? And so that's that's not only been a lot of what we're you know offering and doing advisory on, but that research keeps me a little bit too busy these days, uh, keeping a pulse on all that stuff. So what is the big guy doing versus the little guy, little guy not doing what, what is, what is some of those? Oh man, there's, there's so many directions we could go. We just want to talk about insurance broadly. Broadly and AI, my, my, my listeners are geeks. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, so I'm, I'm, I talk to the bottom line, the folks that that don't write the linear algebra, but that actually, you know, care about the business impact. So I feel like that's going to click with your crowd here. Um, you know, insurance broadly, something like 70% of known investments by our best estimates and by the, the um, uh, quantitative data we can collect is going into underwriting and claims. So artificial intelligence for those two processes is just the name of the game. Makes sense. Um, marketing really not moving as much as maybe we would have thought, even customer service, not quite as much as we would have thought. A um, lot of interesting back office process automation work around paperwork, around uh, forms around document search and discovery stuff that would seem kind of boring, but but does actually yield you know reasonable efficiencies in terms of improving existing processes. So there's a there's a lot rocking and rolling, but man, the the folks raising the big money that seem to have the most traction right now in the startup ecosystem are underwriting and claims for you know uh, a variety of reasons. So why why is marketing and customer service not been what you guys have expected. What is the reason why your clients are taking that position? A variety of reasons. So this is not just our clients, obviously some of the, plenty of the companies in global top 20 insurance are not clients just yet. Now, if I talk to you in another 18 months, well, we'll see. We got to put the heater on them. But, um, you know, I think the, the peer pressure eventually when they hear of, you know, the big names, but, um, yeah, there's a couple reasons. It's a great question, by the way, and I think it's surprising to people. I want to talk about uh, something very quickly, and I'm going to answer that question. Come on. You, you're asking it out of surprise because of a dynamic that we refer to as the lens of incentive. So this is our own market research term, but um, basically the idea is companies want to um, allow people to know about and even exaggerate AI applications or tech applications that make them look good to their customers or investors. And they want to downplay or even completely hide AI and tech investments that don't necessarily make them look good to their investors. So, oh, wow. or sorry, into their customers. So let's just say Great I question. have two different things. I do some silly little pilot project with a chat bot mm-hmm. and I invest 18 times more money in making sure nobody screws me out with insurance fraud. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, minuscule sum of money, massive sum of money, which one am I going to do a press release about? Right. Well, it's going to be the customer facing one because mm-hmm. I don't want to tell our customers, Hey, you know, you set your car on fire because you lose your job. Guess what, buddy? We're going to nab you so goddamn fast, your head was, is going to spin. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. so no, nobody, nobody's going to talk about that, Jason. Mm-hmm. So, so for that reason, the lens of incentives biases towards customer-facing, uh, customer experience type, type processes. In fact, most 
corporates in, in financial services, insurance being no exception, are focused on risk reduction. So everybody listening in, if you think you're doing market research by looking at press releases and seeing what's being announced, you're actually not. And as it turns out, the state of affairs is very different. Now I can talk about specific reasons why marketing customer service are not gaining traction. If you'd like, I can lay those out for you. Come on. I want to hear them. I love right. this stuff, so, dude. Perception is number one. We already talked about that. Second factor here is that customer-facing applications involve exceedingly challenging skills. Uh, and, and those skills exist in one place, basically, which is called Silicon Valley. Let me tell you about those skills. <laughs> so those skills are um, the ability to manage algorithms and to manage um, interfaces that, that actually touch customers and also are, are machine learning based. Let me give you two examples of AI applications. In one, I search for ugly, silly mortgage documents in the back of my bank. That's one. The second, I'm actually going to reply to you when you need your password reset or you need to know your bank balance or you need to know what other products you could buy or whatever. Two, okay. two cases, okay? Um, the document search discoveries for my own employees, my internal staff. Right. The second one, obviously, is customer facing. Customer. Let's say the document search one only works 50% of the time. So literally half the time, it's like, ah, this isn't really helping. I'm just going to go into the ugly data silos I did anyway, and I'm just going to find it. But right. half the time, it takes me you know, a tenth of the time to find what I need. Hey, there it is. Awesome. This is fantastic. But but half the time it doesn't work. Are any of my employees likely to quit because of that? Um, I mean, probably maybe, not. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's like, it'll be annoying for them. They wish it worked hundred percent of the time, but literally they used to be taking whatever it was, 20 minutes to do this every time. And you know, coin toss half the time now it takes them two minutes. Hoopla. You know, I mean, that's a net right. win. No, your, your employees aren't, aren't probably going to quit about that. That's However, true. if, 5% of the time, we're delivering violently wrong answers via some chatbot to our customers, the risks are astronomically higher. So what oh my we need gosh. Is, yeah. So what we I need is, is a that. much faster iteration cycle. We need really well thought out user experience in every direction and dimension. Oh my and gosh. We need a really fast iteration cycle. Now, let me tell you how hard that is. That's so, that's, it, will, it would melt your brain out of your ears to understand how challenging <laughs> it is to do that in real time. And if we think that's going to happen in Geico, Never mind, you know, on the back of Facebook or Google, the kinds of headquarters that, that I was walking into when mm -hmm. I started this company in Silicon Valley and got to talk to the big boys. Um, you know, it, the culture is not there. The data is not there. Uh, the ability to do that iteration is not there. And frankly, the risk tolerance is not there. And so they'll do a press release about it. But, you know, these chatbots are dead. The press release mm -hmm. happened six months later. There's nothing there. Um, let me know if you got questions. How do you like chatbots? Do you think that they're that they're good in the insurance industry? Um, like you just said, it's very very tough to map all the out, right? It's 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 astronomically less capable than most people presume. Um, banking is the same bet. I mean, we did a massive we, we lit up the banking chatbot space. You Google like emerge banking chatbots. I mean, you know, we're not insulting anybody, but really need to need to shoot those freaking blimps down uh, big mm -hmm. time. I mean, that's just insulting. Um, how how much bloviation was occurring about? What, what they were saying they were capable of doing. I mean, Wells Fargo's chatbot, you know, all this stuff doesn't even exist anymore. Ally Bank, purely digital bank, right? I mean, these are like the digitally savvy, we're the cool kids, doesn't even exist anymore. Um, wow. Even, you know, the Erica thing, so to speak. I mean, what are the use cases where it works, where it doesn't work, it's hard. Now, I'm not here to disparage the entire idea. I'd like to give you a nuanced perspective because yes and no isn't what market research is about. So I'm going to give you a nuanced perspective. So for your listeners, um, uh, there's a number of barriers preventing chatbots from becoming more real in insurance. One of them is those really tough customer-facing ML skills of fast iteration, really robust thinking out of all dimensions of the customer experience. 
Very, very hard skill set. You got to poach a lot of people from Google. And if you're going to do that, you got to pay them a lot. They probably don't want to move to Minnesota. They probably like Mountain View. Um, so, <laughs> so there's, there's, you got, you got, you got issues there. Um, that said, um, uh, the other sort of aspect of this is that the core tech actually isn't quite there yet. Now, I'm going to talk about what we can do with chatbots. I'm going to give you a realistic perspective, and I'll give you something for the show notes as well. We've actually we've interviewed like the hard science folks who've dumbed it down for business people like me um, mm -hmm. to actually talk about realistic versus not realistic. But the, the core science isn't like NLP, at natural language processing, isn't quite there to really tackle conversation as such. It, it can tackle sort of determining probably what the intent of this inbound message is, and then matching it to probably what the proper response is, but actually bearing things in mind memory-wise, using those contextually in the next answer and the next answer, we're just not there at the science level. Makes so sense. Um, Google, Facebook, even these guys can't really pull off conversation in a robust sense. Alexa, right? I mean, he, here's just a quick sidebar. When Alexa can't do what you're trying to do with your insurance company, you shouldn't presume that the guys in the back of Geico are going to beat out the guys in the back of Amazon. It is what it is, right? I respect both companies. Very I do more point. work in insurance than I do with Amazon. Amazon's not a customer mine, but um, but that's just that's good point. There. Here's what they're useful for. Um, if done right, uh, they involve a tremendous amount of forethought as to what are the low-hanging fruit questions and use cases we actually want to use them for. Using it as a catch-all phrase, not going to work. Mature companies are going to pick what are the sniper-style uh, areas where we actually want to apply chatbots in two ways. One, massively low-hanging fruit, quick response questions where we actually do feel like we can have strong confidence, 99, 98% confidence on you know what our response is. That's, that's number one. What are those use cases? Number two, what are the use cases for routing? So chatbots can, can kind of drink in whatever this message is. And if it's not in that low-hanging fruit mm. category, Properly send it to someone who can do refunds, new products, sales, sales for commercial, bup, 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 you know, zipping people to Got the you. proper person to handle it. Instead of general Susan at the front desk, oh, yeah, commercial, yada, yada, five minutes, boink, right? That, that's yeah. not exactly the ideal experience. Proper routing to the text or voice human or immediate sniper responses is um, harder than it sounds, but those two use cases are doable when we do very robust forethought on what those cases are. Gosh, I love this. It's an I art love and science. No, it is, and 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 you explain it so well. You know, um, you really truly do. Um, golly. So we were talking about the chatbots, but before we got it, before we were in chatbots, we were talking about we, we got we got going there. Okay, all right, okay. You were so saying what are the big guys doing, the small yeah, guys? The yeah, yeah, but hold on, hold on. Going back to that, so we're trying to map out that that one part that allows us to do the NLP, I guess, uh, is what you said, and yeah. so natural learning process. Yes, yeah. so. So what, that other side of that, though, that's really hard to map out in just all different ways. Do you believe that? that it, because of AI and its power and the things that we can collect data-wise on behavioral data, I like to call it, and it may be the wrong thing, of more category data, right, which is our phone numbers and our addresses, but actually the behavioral data, and then when we can associate that behavioral data to that person, then that starts to allow the chatbot to know maybe the questions or something it was going to ask. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. All of this is um, farther in the future than any of us would, would like to, to, to admit, um, okay. drastically farther ahead. Again, press releases are not market research. So you see where the money is going, right? You get you grind out on the phone like myself, right? Get on the phone with the heads of AI, these companies or people running compliance or whatever. Um, 
get enough proxies of where the dollars are going, what the priorities are, talk to enough of the vendors as to who the customers are and map all that stuff, figure out who's raising money. And it's just like, wow, this is so different than what people are saying. It's astronomically different. Most of this is about risk. It is about reducing risk. Point blank mm-hmm. here. Where's the AI investments going in insurance? Well, if you have two choices, pick the one that's most correl- correlative to risk reduction, and that's where the money's going. End of story. Anyway, um, to your point, though, this Love idea- it. Love this, it. Just, just use it as a rule of thumb. I don't. I literally don't care what company it is. I don't care. Banking or insurance, okay. use that as a rule of thumb. That's right. where the money's going. So that said, now, two, three years from now, we think it's going to shift towards efficiencies, and then it might take another three, four years after that until it starts shifting towards new business models and actually cracking open revenue, and we're trying to move companies faster down that pipeline so they can win an advantage. It's obviously why they do market research with us, whether, uh, you know, gotcha. in, in here with us. That said, that said, risk reduction is the name of the game. Um, but you asked a great question, you know, can't we use this behavioral data to start to understand, okay, Susan's calling us. What is Susan calling about? How can we respond based on what she has said and whatnot? The amount of sort of sources of data we have to be able to pull in to be able to figure out what she's likely to need and want and who we should route her to. Th- there might be some very low proxies that we can use that can kind of inform those decisions. Okay, this is an f- inbound phone call from someone who's had you know, six calls in the last month about, I don't know, billing, right? Or six calls mm-hmm. in the last month about, you know, frustrations about one particular claim. It's like, let's just have that ring the claims department already or mm-hmm. have that ring for like 30 minutes and then pick, I don't know. I don't know. Right? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> telling you the rules, okay? I'm not, I don't make them up. I'm just saying other people make them up. But you could understand, you could understand yes. how the circumstances could shift. So I could. So we could use these very basic proxies of, you know, repetition or billing status or whatever that, that might mm-hmm. overlap with how we route off the cuff. Um, but really getting to the point where someone, you know, texts in or calls in or what have you, and we really have a context as to what they're likely to ask when they ask something about, you know, a product. We don't even bring up these products over here related to families because we know they're not married, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, we're pretty far from that because of how much data has to be fused. How many when you say pretty far, what does that mean in your brain estimation? Oh man, okay. So I mean, to truly have it so that when you chat, I'm going to clarify what I mean, and then I'll give you estimated time horizons. Um, okay. Which, which, uh, you know, I'm not. A, I, I don't pretend to have a crystal ball, but I will tell you that I'm, right. I'm very, very good at telling you what can't be done now. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm the man for that job. That's why we go to the United Nations. That's why we go to Interpol. That's why we go to the World Bank. It's like, hey, we're thinking about this. Is this even reasonable? No, it's not. Shut up about that. Move on to something else. Um, yes, this, yes, this is reasonable. We should be fearful of it. Here's how some people are responding. So, okay. Um, in order for you to be able to text in or call in and have a response that's sort of tailored to the point where the products you ask about, the way they're handling um, whatever your concern is, maybe the upsells or cross-sells that they're kind of prompting, when that's really richly customized, I mean, we, we might be, even for the big guys, three, four years out from that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, even, even for the really, really big guys, we might be three, four years out. Uh, in but for sure, of, 10 years, you think? Yeah, I would suspect in a decade, any of the larger firms, when you, when you ring in, there's going to be some, what we would call kind of a 360 customer perspective that goes into the order of affairs, the, the number of products, the person, potentially the person you get sent to, um, in order to make sure that we're maximizing our, our business goals or satisfying you as a customer. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. but, but we're, yeah, we're really far from there. Like I said, we might be able to do early proxies, like put that lady on hold or, uh, you know, route them over to claims. But, um, but other than that, it's really early days right now. We're going to have see a lot more progress in the back end than we are on the front end. 
So maybe, I don't know if it's maybe not so much your expertise, but maybe you could have some insight for us in this office, in the Main Street office. Where have you start to see or heard or, you know, maybe big companies telling you what their agents are doing to see AI? I want to say this real quick. A, a, a very good friend of mine, Jeff Roy, said one time, which I thought was genius, is that AI won't replace agents, but agents who don't use AI will be replaced by agents who do. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, well... And I would really need to know the context on what applications he's talking about. I'll shoot, I'll shoot you straight again. I think a lot of the time it's presumed, and I don't think you're presuming, but it's presumed mm -hmm. that I will advocate for or talk about the importance of AI in all buckets and in all quadrants. When in fact, a lot of my job is like, you know, there's really not much traction here. There's really not much traction there. So in the, in the agent world, day to day, it's going to be a hot minute until you're really meaningfully leveraging AI in, in a robust sense. Now, I'm gonna. I can talk about what we might see in the coming two to three years. How AI will start to creep into agent land. Okay. Um, but I'll also talk about a meta dynamic that I think is um, worth bearing in mind for agents, even if they don't touch AI. What is AI going to do to the industry that maybe they should be mindful of? So I'd like to. Yes. No. Come on. That's great. Yes, okay. sir. So Let's I, I thought this. thought a lot about your your kind of person. Uh, as it turns out, we have we have a lot of them on the email list for whatever reason. Insurance and banking, man. People just like this stuff. So agents are yeah. part of that mix. Um, great. Two two factors here. In terms of broad industry type uh, trends, um, first, uh, the in insurance, as things start to tilt towards efficiencies and towards marketing and towards revenue, um, the ability to generate leads and do even sales enablement level chat or really fast routing for sales or uh, leverage digital marketing in much more clean ways to collect information, get on the horn, um, a lot of the sort of uh, bottom of the barrel insurance stuff, just the, the lowest ball that we're in all honesty, doesn't require a guy with a briefcase to sit down and eat a pastry with you in order to sell you it like that stuff. Okay. If it doesn't require a briefcase and a pastry, um, but you're still selling it with a briefcase and a pastry, then, um, th there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I I'm not against it. It's like, Hey, do your business, you know, do right. your business. But, but if, and if you're in, if you're in Northern, you know, Nebraska or something, and you're, you're going to sell this thing in three years, Probably you don't have to worry that much about what I'm going to tell you. But if you're if you're selling at a broader scale, if you're selling in a in a younger sort of uh, area or demographic, um, if you plan on really growing your company, then I think the goal would be to sort of move up market as a general trend. If there's any advice I would have, it's just you know let's just inch up. Let's inch up to the point where we actually need that briefcase and people want our briefcase, not Jimmy's, not Stevens. It's like we're the best at like yeah. marine marine dock insurance or freaking mm -hmm. you know uh, coal mines or whatever the case may be. The farther we can we can go up market. Literally, I mean, ten years from now, AI is not going to sell the guy with a coal mine insurance, nor is it going to sell the person with you know, six different lakeside rental properties, probably, you know, that are like really fancy and like, it's like a business, mm -hmm. right? I mean, th those people are just not going to be, um, it, it, 
tinkering with a chatbot to buy it. However, the, the stuff that's most streamlinable that we're already starting to see millennials do without just, just trying to not talk to somebody, um, we should expect to see more and more of that go away with AI. And so that's general advice. Let me know if you have any questions on that. Yeah. Now, um, uh, keep in mind what you're going to say right now. You said that the, um, oh, shoot, you jumped over to the millennial right before you said the millennial thing. The coal mines. Um, um, yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Thank you. So wouldn't it be true that if we're trying to pull a lot of data from a lot of access points, I mean, like you said, that, that would create, have to bring all that stuff in. The more an agency would niche into an industry and in business insurance, yep. that would kind of help, right? Because now you yep. kind of know more of the data you're yes. pulling from, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Although I'd like to clarify again here. I'm not even suspecting that your 30 person agency that's listening right now, look, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're a national firm, we're on a different level. If you're a national right. firm, uh, call me sometime. Um, <laughs> but, but if you're, but if you're uh, like in all here, but um, but if you're, if you're, you know, if you're a smaller, smaller shop, and, and I'm a smaller shop, right? I respect yeah. smaller shop. My dad ran a small business. I've never had a job, man. I, I, you see, all my ears are all messed up. Like, yeah, I, you I wrestler. Paid for, I paid for college by you know running an MMA gym. Like, no joke. So I've wow. never, I've never had a job. I, I trained fighters, and then I sold e-commerce, and then and now I'm in wow. the So I didn't um, know that about you, so Dan. I, I respect the entrepreneurial grind in a big way. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you're if you're a smaller shop, it's it's not even so much like oh you should niche or, or um, and I'm not going to tell people what they should do. I'm just saying given the trends, it would behoove you to. That's as much as I can say. Given that the trends, it would behoove you to niche. Not necessarily because you, the 30 person or even the 90 person shop, is going to be able to like pool data and train algorithms yourself as as like a shop that's mostly a sales shop, right? You're not mm -hmm. necessarily doing the actuarial work. That's actually mm -hmm. where a lot of the super hardcore AI is happening. You're, you're doing the sales work for the most part, which is valuable. But um, it's not so much because of that. It's because your niching will build a lot of contextual expertise in the human brains of your team, which mm -hmm. AI is just not going to be able to keep up with. So you know what AI can keep up with, uh, Jason? What it can mm -hmm. keep up with is a bajillion you know, car insurances for red Corvettes, a bajillion you know, uh, home mm. insurances for quarter million dollar houses, a bajillion, right? There's so much data there. We can slice and dice it by demographic. We can hyper price things. We can figure out, you know, insights that are going to help us buy, sell price, risk, whatever. We can go crazy on that, but there's only so many coal mines. And so it's, it's contextual yeah. wider information that machines and big data algorithms are going to have a harder time with high touch, detailed expertise, industry specificity, deep relationships and trust. Um, uh, th that's, that's, okay. that's not going to go away with AI. That makes so sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. So yet another reason, loyal listeners, that you should be developing um, niches inside of your um, agency. It, we, we know this for so many other reasons that we won't beat up right now because we talk about it enough, but you're hearing here um, where in when AI starts to come in. So when I said that agents who use AI won't replace those, uh, AI won't replace agents, but those who do use AI won't replace those that are do will replace those that don't just butchered it. But you guys know what I'm oh, saying, yeah. loyal listeners. I think that's interesting because this is I don't want to say this like positively, but in a way, it is one of the barriers you can put on there to maybe not having AI take you over. Because like if you, yeah, and Daniel's giving me a thumbs up Big because time. if you have those niches, um, he's saying AI, if you're just broad spectrums of Corvettes and whatever, AI can get in there and make an effective, but not so much when you're niched. That is really, really good. AI versus niching. I love that. I yeah. love that, Daniel. Go ahead. So it sounds like you're already advocating this for your listeners, and I would say that the AI trends broadly um, will will 
swerve in the favor of, of the folks with, with detailed expertise who need a briefcase and a pastry, maybe more than that. Um, anyway, okay. So enough about, enough about pastries. I'm sure your, your audience is, is uh, poking fun at me now. So uh, we'll talk about maybe how agencies will be able to use AI, but I want to be realistic. Can I do that? Yeah, please, please. Okay. So again, I don't, most of you listening in right now will not be quote unquote doing AI. And this is not an insult, by the way, Mike. Uh, so people mm -hmm. are like, oh, you would emerge. You must have crazy algorithms to do your market research. No, I have technical advisors that will help me assess vendor companies, but we do, you know, basic quantitative market research stuff. I, I don't need deep learning to do it. So it doesn't right. mean if you're not doing ML, you're not a cool business, right? I don't mm -hmm. think that's the case, but that's good um, to know. You know, we're small. I, I, I'm, I don't, I can't poach you know, my, my core uh, technical advisor is the head of machine learning at HubSpot, which is a unicorn company here in the city in Boston. But um, it, it's like, I can't poach that guy right now. It wouldn't even make sense. So, so not doing ML is not a knock on anyone listening, right? I'm a small business owner as well um, with, with, you know, big ambitions. Um, but the fact of the matter is doing AI, that is to say taking raw, like massive amounts of proprietary data that you have, um, really understanding how to leverage algorithms and deliver value from it, really, really unlikely for an agency. What you, what you are likely to start to see, and this doesn't quite count as, as what we call AI in the enterprise right now, is you'll start to see AI eke its way into more software products that you probably use. And, and these software products will be the state of the art. So in other words, let's say two, three years from now, Jason, you got a big enough sales staff and you got a CRM like Inside Sales, which does leverage AI. We've, we've interviewed one of the, the main investors in Inside Sales, a uh, VC guy by the name of Gary Swart. And you know this, this platform, you know, is getting better and better at helping to prompt salespeople on kind of who to call when based on response rates and other factors. Now, mm -hmm. nobody in the sales force has to write algorithms, right? We're not hiring anybody in our agency to like, you know, do linear algebra. None of that. It's just baked into a CRM. Does that mean you're doing AI? No, it's, it's software 2.0 is basically all it is. That mm -hmm. said, that said, the latest and greatest of software will increasingly have inches and inches and inches of AI baked into it. Many of you are using Google ads right now, obviously tremendous you know, basis in, in artificial intelligence, but nobody thinks about, oh, I'm doing AI. No, no, you're, you're using a software platform. So what I will say, Jason, is I don't expect most agencies, unless you're national, in which case, yes, we need to be building internal staff. Yes, there's a whole AI maturity concern that we could go into. But if you're smaller, um, you're going to start seeing AI creep its way into software. But don't worry too much. Use the best software that's going to get the job done. Use modern stuff. Make sure you're, you know, you're not, you know, on yellow pads for too long there. But um, you, use modern stuff. But don't worry too much about is it AI or is it not? For the most part, I'd say focusing on your niches, doubling down on business that requires a briefcase and, and, and bigger ticket, bigger ticket, bigger ticket, if you can help it, niching and bigger ticket, that's the stuff that, you know, even when Geico and Progressive can do it freaking all with AI, they're still not going to be able to touch you there. Uh, so Man. That, that's, that's my main advice. Man, I love it. Daniel, I'm going to cut this off, dude. This has been so freaking impactful. It's been unbelievable, dude. I, I, I love you, man. You you hey. you have a place close to my heart, dude. I'm glad um, to hear it, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do it again probably, I don't know, six, eight months. Yeah, and, yeah. We'll have some updates. We'll, I'm, I'm pulsing the market here. We've got some good yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. If there's anything I can do, man, if there's any connections or if it's ever like, hey, maybe Cass knows this person. I, I know a lot of people um, and a lot of people have a lot of trust in me. So I would love to be able to pass you along to people who, uh, are need if I need if I know somebody that needs quote unquote consulting in AI let's just say it that from a broad a term you're my guy man I appreciate your time dude are we all uh, wrapped on recording here or are we uh yeah we're gonna okay, wrap okay, up okay. that's uh, I didn't know if you no no no, no 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 we're still live oh we we're are still nice. live <laughs> yeah we're still live but <laughs> okay. I'm I'm is and I want to ask um do you read very kind do you read oh what do I read 
Yeah, I, oh, I imagine so. I, I know, I, mean, I imagine I could, so. I literally, you, I got my camera on. I could take you into my bedroom and look at the stack, brother. I got, I got the stack. Uh, what, what are you reading right now? I'm, I'm reading Cicero's Tuscan Questions. I'm reading Montaigne's essays, third series. I'm reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, and I'm reading the poems of Ossia. What are you reading? Um, well, th thank you. I appreciate that. Um, right now, I am kind of in a lull. Um, I, I took over about three or four Malcolm Gladwell books on talking cool. to strangers and some of these others. And I'm a geek with it to the fact that I'm going back through um, talking with strangers because it, Malcolm is so overwhelming when you're reading him like he can jog your mind. And here's the reason why specifically, if you want to talk about it, this is the reason why is that in Malcolm Gladwell says that thin slicing is what he calls it. Now, he gives a couple examples. He says that they took studies of people of, uh, who were getting ready to have a surgery and they would, uh, they, to choose their doctor, they would allow them to hear a conversation with a patient, another patient, for one minute, five of them. Okay, so they're going to hear that. Or they would allow them to hang out with the doctor for like uh, three months. Okay, and they would allow them to have dinner and they would get that, know them and stuff. And what was amazing was, is that most of the time, almost all the time, the people chose the doctor to do the surgery, but actually wasn't necessarily the most qualified doctor. Okay. So it wasn't necessarily that they, they, they formed a bond with them. Okay. So sometimes here's where I'm going with this. Knowing too much data actually allows us humans to not make the right decision. I'll add one more. If you have ever noticed back in the day, they used to have two cops that would ride in a cop car. They don't do that anymore, but due to an experiment that happened in Kansas City. Oh. And it was an experiment that they showed that if a cop is by himself, he will be less aggressive. If the cop has somebody else with him, he now has more of a confidence and will be more aggressive. So they stop this, right? And what they also found out was in this study is that knowing that people, um, okay, now this is, this is kind of there. So my loyal listeners never heard this, but um, he, he talks about this. So they had these kids in a class and they had the teacher and there were some actors and stuff in the class and some subjects that didn't know what was going on. And they had the teacher leave and the teacher left the answers to the, te to the test on her, her desk, right? And she said, hey, the answers are here, but I have to run out. Some of the people the students actually tried to go look at the test, right? The answers, a lot of them didn't. And the ones who didn't, the actors in there would try to get them to do it, right? So this was the experiment going on. Then they brought these people out and they started asking them, hey, did you go? Were you one of those that went up there or did you sit there? What did you do, right? Here's my point. They had investigators listen to those people being interviewed to determine if they were lying or not. You and me who don't have any negotiating skills or whatever, 50 to 54% of the time, Daniel, we get it right. Here's what's amazing. The more deep, CIA, FBI agents got it right 15 to 25% of the time because they have so much data that makes them believe that they know how to determine that they overlook some of the basic things that tell, tell you, Whoa. right? Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm leaking, I'm looking at this because as you're telling me about all these data and stuff, and I asked the CEO before, I said, sometimes are we making the best decisions with data? If you have any thoughts, close up with that.
yeah, are we making the best decisions with data? Geez, I mean, well, look. Is it possible to have too much data when we're making decisions? Um, if it's if it is data with potential value, and if we have the the budget and compute to hold it, the, 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 some people would bias towards no. But the fact of the matter is, you're bringing up a point that's really, really important. And there's an analogy to the human brain that you just brought up, so we can close on this. Um, the, the analogy of the human brain is uh, in, in artificial intelligence, we need to do what we call feature engineering. In other words, here's an ocean of data. Which of these factors are important enough to train an algorithm? Let's mm. let's maybe not take all of it as a stream, unlabeled, and just find the pattern that we can't untangle. Let's decide from human expertise, from what the previous tests have shown, okay, these are the correlative factors we have confidence in, we understand, we actually believe are going to hold under these circumstances and these circumstances, be very deliberate about how we're structuring and scoring those, then we, we go in and train our algorithm. If not, we may end up like the FBI agents with our AI and uh, find ourselves up Chitts Creek. <laughs> Dude, that is that is so true. Thank you very much for that insight. I had really never really thought about that. And um, uh, and then to answer your question, I'm trying to get it, but Carl Sandburg's uh, uh, Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, The Prairie Years is uh, something that I am reading. And then Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. I'm going to go back to that because the do you Prairie like that? Years. The Prairie Years. I love the, the Prairie, Prairie Years. Years. Abraham Lincoln's Lyceum Address is among my favorite sort of speeches that turned into an essay. Um, wow. and, and, and Lincoln, let it be known, sir, Lincoln spent his time out in those wilderness reading the classics reading lofty, lofty things. Um, and and, and I, I advocate very much for the same. So read of those prairie years and read of the books he drunk of and see if you like to drink of them. And I suspect you might. Yeah, dude, great stuff. Great stuff. Daniel, you're always a uh, gym to have on. You're definitely going to be back and greatly appreciate it. Loyal listeners, here I am again telling you I do what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason. That's Daniel Fagella. And we are out. Hey agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner and I, you know how it is to to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. 
give us a call. Check us out. You can ask for me personally. I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.